Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Ken Kaufman, Managing Director and Chair of Kaufman Hall. In a recent blog post, he looked at a 2018 decision from Ford Motor Company that marked a major pivot in the automaker's strategic plan and what hospitals can learn from Ford when it comes to their own long-term strategies. It's Monday, April 10th. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In 2018, Ford Motor Company made a big change to its core business strategy, one that had deep roots in its century-long history the company decided to stop producing internal combustion sedans, with, of course, the exception of the iconic Mustang. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. Ford's pivot, which may have come as a surprise to some in the auto industry, weighed a lot of factors that could impact the health of its business, changing margins, emerging technologies, and evolving consumer demand. And this example was the recent focus of a blog post written by Kaufman Hall co-founder, chair, and managing director Ken Kaufman. In the piece, he looked at what hospitals could learn from Ford when it comes to rethinking their own strategic plans. On today's episode, Ken tells me what drew him to the Ford example. The first is that Ford had to recognize that as a company, they were deteriorating. Um, they had to come to grips with the fact that that probably the old Ford was a lot better than the current Ford. Um, and that they weren't, as a publicly traded organization, they were not headed in a great direction. They were not making um, a lot of money, and they had a, a very unique portfolio problem that they had to come to grips with. And that portfolio problem was that they were making two different, three different kinds of, of vehicles. They were making uh, the F-150 uh, trucks, they were making a very uh, robust SUV line, and then they had their sedans, which was their traditional vehicles for 120 years. But that fleet, that portfolio wasn't working anymore. 
So everybody knows that the F-150 has been the best-selling pickup truck in the world for 46 consecutive years, but they weren't making any money on the sedans and they weren't making any money internationally at all. So they made a very unusual decision, a decision that large corporations traditionally have a very hard time with. They decided to stop making uh, all their internal combustion sedans with the exception of the Mustang. Um, and they kept the Mustang because it has a unique brand. But that meant that they stopped making the Taurus and all of those other sedans. And from a public relations perspective, that was not a popular decision inside of Ford. There were a lot of engineers working at Ford who were very committed to that the Taurus had been a very successful car for so many years and 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 actually, you know, making a portfolio decision to stop doing that was very, very controversial and it was it was a brave decision. And how do you see this applying to hospital systems? Um, I, I, I don't want to overdo the analogy. I mean, you know, you can, you, you, you know, it, it's, I mean, everybody who, who takes any logic knows that reasoning by analogy is a dangerous place to go. But I would suggest that there are some similarities between Ford and the hospital industry right now. Um, and the first is hospitals are stressed in the same way that Ford was stressed. We've just come through a 2022, where the financial performance of hospitals across the country was the worst it's been probably in 25 or 30 years. And, you know, we had to deal with COVID and we came out of COVID and hospitals performed extraordinarily well during COVID in almost every respect. But coming out of COVID, they were hit with with all these externalities. And and so just as Ford had to come to grips with the fact that they were probably not the best version of themselves, I think hospitals now have to come to grips that hospitals are not, at the moment, the best version of themselves. Not only are many prominent organizations still losing significant amount of money, but there's a, a lot of clinical disruption going on that's sort of, um, it's, it's not that visible. But to give you an example, if, if you know, just ask CEOs all over the country how long it takes to get a colonoscopy in, a, in, in the major metropolitan areas of America these days. And everybody's telling me five months. Um, and I've asked this question not only in Chicago, but I've, I've asked it in Massachusetts yesterday. I've asked it in New Mexico. I've asked it in Iowa. And everybody says the same thing. So we've had the availability of these, of, of, of specialty appointments just really deteriorate. And obviously that changes the um, trajectory of diagnosis and treatment and is, is impacting hospitals' financials in a significant way, but is also impacting the ability to deliver the proper amount of care to the, to the community. So just in the way that, that Ford made the decision that they had a portfolio problem, I think that hospital CEOs and hospital boards will have to come to grips with the fact that we have a, a, a portfolio problem in many healthcare organizations around the country. Now, what a lot of healthcare organizations look like from an overall perspective in terms of their facilities, their services, their clinical capabilities, none of that is really developed in a coherent way. Many of these organizations are, you know, 100, 150 years old, and all of that is developed in, 
you know, you might say to a certain extent haphazardly. And yet, uh, you know, I, I have suggested um, in a number of, of blogs and, and in talks uh, over the years that, that one of the things that hospitals really need to do is make sure that they are sized properly for their market and their competition um, and that they are willing to take a hard look at their portfolio just in the way that Ford was willing to take a hard look at its portfolio. Um, and, and there is a great reluctance in the hospital industry to do that. So can you talk a little bit more about that reluctance and the roots of that reluctance? Well, I think the roots of that reluctance are both clinical and political. From a clinical perspective, it's like everything seems to be connected. And so I think a lot of hospital organizations, they look at a particular uh, service for instance, a CEO told me recently that, that his neurosurgery service was not making any money and that he couldn't figure out any way for it to. Um, and so if you were strictly working on a corporate finance basis, you would either downsize neurosurgery in a significant way or you'd get rid of it entirely. But he also operates a trauma one center. And so with a trauma one, there's no way he can't be a trauma one center without having neurosurgery. So I think that's just a good example of how a lot of hospitals feel that they're trapped, that they've created a, a clinical and treatment process that that's very complicated and, and, and is attached in so many different ways. And if you go ahead and start applying a more corporate approach to the portfolio, you're not exactly sure what damage you'll do to the organization as a whole. And so I think that's one of the reasons why there's great reluctance to look at that. But then hospitals extend that analogy out. And so there might be 10 services like that where they have to be very careful. But what about if they've got 80 or 90 outpatient sites, maybe they only need 60. And, you know, would they go ahead and, and do that? And even that doesn't get, you know, the kind of analytical attention that I think would be necessary right at the moment, given current financial conditions. You, you know, it's really interesting. You go in and you talk to a hospital board or a hospital CEO, and everybody really wants to know where the nuclear explosion is. And I, I, it's gotten very hard to deal with that and because there actually is no nuclear explosion at the moment, although the financial condition of the industry is a little bit of a nuclear explosion at, at the present time that we didn't have up until 2022. Um, honestly, JC, it's more death by a thousand cuts. And that's confounding to executive suites and boards. If, if it's death by a thousand cuts, well, which cuts are the worst and how do we find them and what do we do about them? And I admit, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to be dominating here or, or, or hypercritical at all. Those are really fundamentally difficult operating and strategic questions. If it's death by a thousand cuts, which are the worst cuts and how do we find them and what do we do about them? And I, I, I think that many CEOs who have been very effective in their jobs over a 25 to 30 year period are really struggling with that right now. Really, really struggling. I talked to one prominent CEO a couple of weeks ago who said, you know, they finally made a little money in January, but he didn't think they were bouncing back nearly as quickly as, as, as they should be. 
And he also noted that they were just a little confounded about what they should be doing to improve that bounce back. And I think this just has to do with how the entire industry has changed and how these organizations have changed and the fact that they have a cost structure that's developed both because of historical factors in healthcare and now inflationary factors in healthcare uh, that's really pretty unsustainable and pretty non-competitive at the moment. Do you think that hospitals and health systems aren't necessarily incentivized to enact big changes? You know, what the incentives are are for excellence and and operating capability. I mean, every organization wants to be seen as as providing excellent service in the community, and every organization wants to be as profitable as it needs to be. Uh, Those are the incentives at the C-suite and at the board level to achieve those things. But there's also all of the cultural incentives inside of our not-for-profit systems which is really sort of uh, organizational duty of care. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase duty of care, but it's a board and management phrase. It's actually a legal phrase that says in the way you run the organization, you are obliged to provide a duty of care and you're obliged not to do things that would violate the duty of care. So so essentially, you know, to give a good, very current example of that, it's possible that, and I'm not going to, be overly, um, uh, you know, I mean, the facts are not all in yet, but it's possible that the executive team at Silicon Valley Bank did not show the proper duty of care in the running of that bank. So hospitals have feel that duty of care really strongly. Um, They feel their obligation to their community really strongly. And they don't want to make any sudden moves and sudden mistakes that would violate that duty of care or would would do harm. And I think that it's really good that our not-for-profit organizations feel this way, but you can get into some macroeconomic environments where um, that, that sort of becomes a problem. You become paralyzed by your duty of care, and yet the market is moving, but you're not moving. And, and you're not moving because you want to be extra careful about anything that you do. And I, I think that that is, to a great extent, kind of where we are right now in so many of our hospital organizations across the country. So, Ken, as we wrap up, for the hospital executives listening in, what is the biggest thing you'd like them to take away from our conversation? The the biggest thing is, there's a few biggest things. First of all, the, the, the cost structure of the industry is unsustainable, and hospitals are going to have to get after that. And there still seems to be a reluctance to it. You know, you you look at the tech industry now having a real turndown and they're reducing their labor force like crazy. And hospitals are having the same kind of turndown that the tech industry is. And we're not seeing that. Uh, There's reasons for it because because hospitals are having such trouble hiring technical staff, including nurses, that they're really reluctant, you know, to have reduction in force. But many hospitals are operating with a cost structure that if they stay at that cost structure, there's no way they can be successful going forward. So that's the first thing. The second thing is there just sort of has to be a recognition that the existing very traditional, very stodgy strategic plan is probably not going to allow hospitals to be competitive going forward. 
they have to realize that there's a, a very different market out there. There's 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 organizations coming in um, like Walgreens and CVS and Amazon that are gigantic companies with amazing amounts of of, of working capital and an and amazing amount of equity, and that this is going to stimulate a different kind of competition. And you have to be um, ready to to compete at that level, or else it, things are going to get even even more difficult going forward. The third thing is, is, is that, you know, we have to recognize that every organization has to be the right size for its market and for its competitive position. And we have to look at that in a much more aggressive way that some organizations in the country are, 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 are too big and right now, and they're suffering for that too big. And that many, many other organizations are too small and will never have the level of working capital or cash flow that they need to compete. And that we have to recognize that scale is being used against us. And so we have to seek scale now wherever we can, even though um, the regulatory process doesn't appreciate that. But there's, there's a, a macroeconomic set of developments going on in our economy and healthcare and the, the hospital industry will probably very soon find itself in general too small uh, to compete with uh, the United Healthcare, the CVS, the Walgreens, and the Amazon of the world. That was Ken Kaufman, co-founder, managing director, and chair of Kaufman Hall. He joined me to talk about a recent blog post he wrote that examined how Ford Motor Company revamped its strategic plan and what hospital plans could learn from the automaker. You can read his piece at kaufmanhall.com, and we'll share a link on the podcast page of Just Healthcare's website. This has been Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with healthcare business and policy news, as always, in 10 minutes or less. In the meantime, you can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at justhealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The Just Healthcare Daily Podcast is an independent production of Just Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.